Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by the legendary Jake Shields. Jake is, of course, a former five-time world champion in the sport of mixed martial arts, a legend from the UFC, from Strike Force. you know, a lot of uh, very successful submission grappling uh, appearances, and he has become... I don't know about more famous, but he's become very popular recently, in particular over the past year, for a lot of his political takes. I've been very intrigued with that. So I really appreciate Jake joining me today. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster Line, where I am joined by the legendary Jake Shields. Jake, how are you today? Hey, man. Doing good. It's been a super busy week for me, but overall, everything's going good. Just trying to, luckily, I was able to squeeze this interview in real quick. I really appreciate you uh, working mm-hmm. me in. I've been, um, you know, very fascinated, of course, by your fight career for a long time. Always knew, um, you know, sig- the significance of Jake Shield when it comes to fighting. But over the past, God, how long? Just six months or so, you've become uh, more active politically. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, I would say I first started, I mean, I didn't really use Twitter that much, even for fighting, but I would say maybe I first started tweeting close to two years ago, but didn't tweet that much and didn't really, my whole audience, my whole base was all fight-based, but it seems like in the last six months, I really just started blowing up on the 
kind of kind of political. I don't really consider myself right wing, but I think a lot of the right wing people like, post my stuff because I have a lot of left wing stuff too. But for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> when, when I post that, it never goes viral. And I think the, the, the way the left are, they'll they hate you and stop following you if you push something right. People on the right, if you post something they don't like, they just they just ignore it. So it is an interesting time to be alive. You are, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a longtime vegan. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, or vegetarian, or, or ve- vegetarian, which which is very similar. Yeah, I've grown up vegetarian. Like I said, I don't consider. It's funny people calling me, you know, far right when I'm like anti-war, vegetarian. <laughs> I drive a, I drive a Tesla. I just believe in common sense. And but like I said, the people on the left, when you say something they disagree with, when you say like, hey, you know, I don't think uh, trans women should fight, you know, real women. They'll like freak out. I'll get messages, die scumbag white person. I'm just like, okay, but I can say something like, you know. I don't like abortion, but it should be legal. And I don't get a bunch of death threats from the right saying, you baby killing scum. It's just, I don't know why. Why? Obviously not all left. I have a ton of friends that are leftists, but there's a certain element to left that's just, just not nice people. It's definitely interesting. Guys like Glenn Greenwald, for example, he's a gay guy. He's a, a mar- married to a man. Uh, a journalist considers himself to be definitely a lefty. I mean, uh, you talk about. Yeah, I would so- definitely consider him a lefty. Yeah, yeah you, you talk about socialized health care, things like that. I mean, he falls on the left. But because yeah. he points out a lot of the hypocrisy that goes on within the Democratic yeah. Party, all of a sudden he's like alt right or something. It's very bizarre. Yeah. It's worth- it's where they really started hating him. He's one of the main guys that unraveled the, when they were trying to frame Trump saying he had Russian collusion. It was a complete hoax. And Glenn Greenwald, who's one of the, who's a real, real deep diving journalist, he deep dove in it and showed that it was a hoax done by the, he spent his whole career basically covering the CIA, FBI, NSA, showing what scammers they were. And that's why the left loved him. And he was showing that that was completely made up by the, by the so-called deep state. And for that, he was a heretic and completely uh, blackballed him. But he was just bringing the truth. He 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 hated Trump, but he was an honest person. So even though he hated Trump, he was able to be like, "Hey, this isn't real. This is a frame up by the uh, by the intelligence agencies." Yeah, it's definitely a uh, very interesting thing to to witness. Um, you know, you can have uh, like who's the spokesperson for the Biden uh, campaign right now? I forget her name, but the 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 black chick. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I don't know her name either. I'm terrible with names. Can Jereen uh, something, some French sounding name. But anyways, um, they asked her, they said, hey, there's a tweet from 2016 where you are saying specifically that the election was stolen. What's the difference between that versus what you're saying now about how everybody who's saying this election was stolen is, you know, a... Uh, 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 a terrorist or whatever the verbiage is they're using to describe them. So they, it was just a journalist asking like a, who knows yeah. what that, that journalist, sounds like a good question to me, <laughs> a fair question. And she just was offended. She said, uh, you just have to realize those are two completely different situations. And I'm thinking like, okay, maybe they are, well, I don't know, but at least explain it. It's a good question. Well, if you're a Democrat, if you say it's a fake election, that's totally normal. If you're a Republican, you're a terrorist that belong in jail. I think that's the difference. And need to be censored from social media. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. These people are living in a backwards world. I said, I'm not a Republican, but you can just see some of the hypocrisy on the left. It's just uh, unreal. And Biden going on there and saying Trump supporters, which is 
basically half the country, basically calling him domestic terrorists, comparing him, didn't use the words ISIS, but basically he was describing him like we're the ISIS, a threat to very democracy. I mean, I'm not even a Trump supporter, but I'll side with him against that, you know, saying uh, threat to democracy. It's just absolutely insane that the most divisive speech probably given in U.S. history by a president. Yeah, it d- doesn't appear to be a good thing. And uh, hopefully it's not setting up, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories where people mm-hmm. say maybe some type of a false flag or, you know, something like that. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theory podcast, but that that speech Biden gave the other night did not seem like things are heading in a good direction. Yeah, it seemed like they were foreshadowing, like they were going to try to try, try to pull something, you know, and they keep calling like keep saying like white supremacists are the biggest threat to the country and then they equate trump supporters of white supremacists and they see that they're making this false you know accusation which i don't know i've i've never met a white supremacist i'm white i you know i'm 43 years old i've never met a white supremacist in my life i guess there's a few out there in the country but they're certainly uh they're certainly not on the public or they're not announcing themselves to me so to act like this is some huge thing in the country seems absurd it's definitely an interesting time uh, to be alive you live in vegas now yeah, I'm in Las Vegas. Okay. And, of course, this is a big week right now. Actually, let's, let's start. How, how long have you trained with Nate D- Nick and Nate Diaz? Uh, about 20 years. So I think, or maybe a little bit longer. I think since 2001. Yeah, 21 years, I guess now. Wow. And, and so yeah. most of the fights, like, for example, the Connor uh, uh, fight, number one, where Nate shocked yes. the world. You go back and watch it. You were, of course, in the corner. Yep. Yeah, I was in the corner for that one. I've been in the corner in quite a few of Nate's uh, fights, and I've been been as a majority of them. Maybe missed a couple, but I've probably been you know eighty ninety percent of his fights, and been in the corner and maybe half of them. So it's uh it's definitely exciting watching him fight, especially such a massive fight. It is a tough opponent he has. People are overlooking him, and I think that's insane. After all all the tough fights Nate Nate's been through and all the experience, to overlook him's insanity. Um, Hamzat, of course, the Russian guy who has a a. a style kind of like you would expect from you know not the exact same as Khabib but that type of a thing he throws like a head kick and then just a double leg takedown or you know something along those lines I I don't want to say it's predictable but I mean he seems like a grinder uh, a a very tough opponent Um, headed into this fight of course the general public considers Nate to be the underdog yeah what is the consensus around the camp? I know you've been with Nate all day today, and then you know you've been hanging out with him. You guys stay in close contact. How, how does he feel headed into this fight versus other fights? Man, he feels confident. He's ready. I mean, he knows it's going to be a tough fight. This guy's a big, strong, athletic, super aggressive guy. So he's expecting a tough war, but he's ready to go out there and give it. Um, when you were in the corner of Nate's against Conor McGregor, yeah, part one. Um, at that time, Connor was like the hottest shit in the whole world. I mean, there was no comparison. He hadn't lost. Um, you know, he, uh, nobody really thought Nate had much of a chance. Am I overstating that? You think it's somewhat, no, somewhat no, yeah, similar? he was a huge underdog. Everyone's yeah. looking past him being like, oh, this going to be an easy fight for Connor. And this is, we're kind of reliving the same situation. So hopefully we can go out there and have another, another one of those shocks and it'll be, uh, It'll be one of the biggest fight stories in history. Nate doing this a second time with a stardom. Also, the whole Nate versus Dana with him not re-signing his contract puts him in a powerful position. It's uh, It makes for a really exciting story. You were recently on the Joe Rogan Experience, and I listened to it when it came out. I actually re-listened to it a few days ago in preparation for today's episode. And you were saying Nate 
you know, this may be his last fight for the, the UFC, but he has every intention of continuing to fight. Who knows? Maybe for quite some time after this. Yeah, I don't think he has any intention of retiring anytime soon. He loves it. It's, it's all he knows. It's his life. He still enjoys going out there and fighting. I think uh, when guys start looking like shit, it's usually because they don't want to fight and they're fighting for a paycheck. But Nate, like, actually still wants to fight and loves it. It's what he loves to do. He loves to train every day and he loves to go out there and scrap. Um, are Nate and Nick Diaz as just authentically good guys as they seem? I've, of course, never met them, but they seem like they are fucking authentic. That's why it's interesting to tune into yep. an interview with them. They're not going to say something, even just to sound cool at all. No. Or they're not trying to be a dick. Sometimes they may sound a little bit like a dick. Who knows? But they're just like being yeah. themselves. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, no, 100%. And they're always, you know, extremely, you know, nice and polite in person. You know, when I bring people around and haven't met them, a lot of times they're surprised, like, how nice they are. But it's like, because they see them getting in these brawls and stuff. But it's only if you disrespect them, you know. When guys are talking crap and they're fighting them, that's like disrespecting them. But in the real life, you know, they're, they're friendly, hang out. And, and real, they always say what they feel, say what they mean. That's, that's a nice, nice and a rare trait nowadays. Over the past couple of days, you have been spending some time with Paulo Costa. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, we were just, you know, we'd fuck with each other on Twitter, shooting shit back and forth. He's a hilarious, uh, this Twitter is hilarious, just making fun of, you know, always talking shit to all the fighters, but in a funny, humorous way. And then he just DM'd me and asked if I could come help him out with uh, some jujitsu. So I said, sure. So I went in there and had a workout with him. Uh, just, uh, I guess that was yesterday. Had a little drama broke out there. <laughs> I know. I, I was texting back and forth with you yesterday, setting up the yeah. interview. And you're like, I'm going to do a little work with Paulo Costa. I was like, oh, shit. Very cool. Yeah. And then this morning I see all this. <laughs> what, what was it that happened? Yeah, I was just there working out with Paulo. You know, when I first walked in, we see another side of the gym, but knowing Nate's fighting him, I walked way to the opposite side and went through where we couldn't see him, like a separate room, because I didn't want to, you know, be scouting, watching him. And we're training, and I guess someone, I guess um, he'd been watching us for like 20 minutes, sitting there just staring at us, didn't say anything. We didn't know that. All of a sudden, we hear, he comes over and starts yelling at Paulo, let's fight, let's fight. And Paulo's like, all right, let's fight. But if he really wanted to fight, he just ran on the cage and fought him. I guess he waited for the film crew to get there and like 10 guys to, to fake pull him off. And then I walk over and I open the cage door and I'm like, hey, come in if you want to fight. You know, because he goes, because Paula goes, oh, we'll fight, we'll fight after this fight. He goes, I don't want to wait. I want to fight you right now. So I open the door and I'm like, all right, let's go. And then he just starts walking off. I'm like, all right, you're just going to, you're going to pretend like you want to fight right now and walk off. I mean, I, I, I don't think you should fight fight week. I think it's stupid. But don't go and tell a guy you want to fight him right there if you don't really want to fight him. I think that's stupid too. He should have been like, I want to fight you after. Don't, don't be like, I want to fight you right this minute as you're walking away. That's just fucking weak, fake-ass gangster shit. Um, I don't know if you've actually sat down and watched the video. Could you understand what he was saying when he was talking shit? Not much of it. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you went back and watched any of the audio or the video from that perspective. He was yelling all sorts of shit like something about fucking in the ass or like he was yelling crazy shit. I didn't even know what he was. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was very interesting to he, to try to hear someone who from Brazil primary language is Portuguese. And then this Russian guy and they're trying, they're talking. I don't even know. Was Paulo talking shit back to him? Yeah. Paulo was talking shit back, but he wasn't telling him he wanted to fuck him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that uh, Hamzat was saying that he wanted to fuck him, but it was something like something about someone fucking someone in the ass or I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe in Chechnya, that's what they do. You know, <laughs> girls aren't allowed out there. You have to cover their faces. So maybe they start fucking the boys. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Very interesting to see two people with somewhat broken English talking shit to each other. At least got some excitement out there. And I immediately saw in the back, I was like, shit, that looks like that's Jake over there. Um, and the other side from the, the camera angle that I saw, and sure enough, it, it, it was. So interesting experience, to say the least. Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. But to me, it seemed like it was him just uh, waiting for the cameras, trying to build some hype and not really fight. I just, I just remember hearing him being like, I want to fight you right to now. And then I, that's when I open the cage. I'm like, all right, come in. Then he starts walking away. And he keeps yelling, I want, I'm going to fight you right now as he's walking down the stairs. It's like, bitch, you're fake. You want to fight right now? Come in the cage. Yeah. If you wanted to fight him right now, you'd have ran in the cage before the film crew got there, before all your 10 dudes to pull you back. So. Very interesting. Okay, well, um, if it's all right, Jake, I, I, I had a couple topics I wanted to touch on with you related to your somewhat recent I guess we could call it political evolution or you finding your voice because let's admit it. You're, you're most famous for being a fighter, right? Yeah. But it's almost shifting. Well, yeah, on, on, on Twitter and stuff is definitely shifting. I'm, I'm building like a new, new base. And a lot of people that know me in the real world, I'm still definitely recognized way more from fighting. You know, I get recognized multiple times a day, people coming up from fighting, you know, every now and again, someone will like mention Twitter and stuff. But I think the vast majority of people that still recognize me in the street, know me from fighting and like the social media world. Then yeah, I'm definitely starting to, I'm, I'm getting, I actually just posted today how I get more traction now on my like uh, political posts than my, uh, than my fight posts. I'll post something really interesting fighting and it'll get a couple thousand likes, you know, post something political that goes interesting. Some other things get a couple hundred thousand, you know, other things get like a hundred, almost a hundred thousand retweets and stuff before now which is kind of a, uh, you know, you never see that in the fight world. Maybe this the political world's bigger on Twitter. Or... But, but your political approach is fascinating to me because, you know, we've got, for example, there will be people on the left. We don't even need to go down examples of athletes who are on the left. There's plenty. LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. But then there's, on the right, there will be maybe someone like, I guess, Colby Covington could be an example. Yeah, but he's kind of like a cheesy over the top. No one really knows what his real views. I, I always say what I really feel, and you know, including my shit. Somebody like said some of my views aren't right wing at all. I always speak whatever, whatever I feel on each issue. I think people like the authentic, you know, being authentic. It's like they can appreciate. Uh, you know, I think a at least a lot of people on the right they can appreciate if they don't agree with me on things. But I always speak my mind. A lot of people on the left they hate being you know, constantly get death threats saying they hope I die a terrible death and that type of stuff. It's like okay, sorry that I don't think men should beat up women. I guess that makes me an evil person. <laughs> when it comes to the trans uh, competing in in like MMA, yeah, they get really mad over that. Or if you suggest that a five year old shouldn't be transitioned, and if you say some stuff like that, you're going to get some serious death threats and uh, people mad. <laughs> So you've had actual people like message you on Twitter saying they hope you die. Hundreds of them, hundreds of them. You know, sometimes, sometimes my, sometimes I'll have a tweet that goes, well, sometimes I have a tweet that goes viral one place, but sometimes the tweet will go viral in the, uh, what I call the blue check mark Twitter, which is all, they just get blue check mark outs to anyone that's like super liberal. So those will be hundreds of people with these blue check marks that like aren't famous. Maybe they're journalists or something. And they'll just, they'll all start going after me, sending hate mobs after me. Is there anything that you have tweeted or said since you've been more politically active that maybe you look back on and you're like, ah, maybe I got a little carried away. Maybe anything you regret a little bit. 
I mean, I'm sure I've tweeted things I shouldn't have, but I wouldn't say I regret it. I don't really give a shit, you know? Okay. I just tweet whatever. I just random shit pops in my head and I tweet it. Maybe I'm too impulsive and I don't really, and I maybe I shouldn't be. I'll just tweet random shit. And there's probably things that I think I remember tweeting. I can't even remember what it is, but I remember tweeting a few things being like, eh, I don't know if I actually agree with that. But usually I just leave, usually I'll just leave it up the way I am. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go and delete it. I'll just, I'll just leave it. Because if I tweet something, I, 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 least believe like part of it you know but there's been things i've treated and like maybe that's not the best but not bad enough to take down okay you know, if, also, if sometimes i put something that's 100 percent false i realize then, then i'll go take it down like okay i just put something i felt i saw something that was fake put it down you know i try to fact check everything i post i'll retweet things without out fact checking them so sometimes you know if someone else puts something fake and i retweet it that's not on me but anything i post i try to like check it and there's been a couple times like oh shit i got something wrong and i'll go delete the tweet um, you are a vegetarian. Do you think it's a misnomer that people believe if you want to be physically strong, you have to eat a lot of meat? Man, yeah. I mean, I, I everyone always says how crazy strong I am. So I've never eaten meat though. So I have been curious. Would I be stronger if I eat? I don't know the answer to that because I haven't. But uh, I cer- I'm certainly strong, and I'm a vegetarian. You do have to balance your diet, though. I eat a lot of beans and rice, and I do eat eggs. I'm not vegan. That makes it way easier. Have you ever been sympathetic to something like PETA? Yeah, a little bit. I think they go too far on some some uh, some topics, but I like the basic idea of I think people will try to, especially the treating animals better. I think the factory farming is absolutely disgusting and wrong, just the way they torture the animals and abuse them. and. They've outlawed filming inside the factory. So if a guy, if a guy, someone works there, films what they're doing to the animals, that person will go to jail. Damn. That should tell you all, all you need to know right now. The fact it's just so evil and cruel they're doing to these animals that you'll go to jail if you post it to the public. If they don't want you to see what's going on because it's just so disgusting and so brutal, and it's just sick too eating meat. You know, if you're gonna eat meat, you should. Uh, you know, I know it's more expensive, but uh, anyone that can afford it should get you know free range cattle, free range chickens, eggs, anything. So it's just eating that factory farm stuff is gross. You are, um, you identify as not necessarily being on the right, although many people put you on the right. If you had a criticism of the modern right, maybe the Republicans, your average everyday Republican, what, what would your main criticism be of, of the right? It's tough because the rights change so much, you know, things are always changing. Before it was, it always seemed like the right were more like you know stuck up and trying to censor everything, and that's why I was anti-right. They they were pushing all these wars, which a lot of the Republicans still are, but but right now it's kind of more switched. There's, I mean, most Republicans are still pushing wars, but 100% of the Democrats are, including Bernie Sanders and, and the so-called Squad. They all they all keep voting for these weapon packages to Ukraine to extend the war when they could easily get a peace deal. You know, at least there was like 30 something Republicans that went against it, so. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say that w- what to criticize, you know. I mean, obviously they have problems, but over as a whole, like I said, I don't love the Republicans. I think they're they're better off than the Democrats. At least they're mo- they're more they're more anti-war. They're more pro free speech is a huge important. I'm majorly free speech advocate. You know, they fight. Most Republicans don't really fight for it, but they pretend at least. Um, the COVID lockdowns. I was against the lockdown strongly from day one. You know, that was a big uh, criticism I had of Trump going to lock. So I would never vote for him again. Going for the, he he went along with the lockdowns. I mean, Biden said the lockdowns weren't far enough. The Democrats were far far worse with the lockdowns. But most of the Republicans went along with these crap lockdowns. I mean, he was pathetic and weak, and that's why uh, DeSantos showed he was such a strong good leader. 
he went against all the other Republicans and Democrats and said, no, I'm open in Florida. I think most people now, at the time, I was hated for saying the lockdowns are stupid. I think 90% of people can probably look back and be like, the lockdowns were stupid. There might be like 10% of morons that are still kind of pretending like it was good. It'll drop to 5%. And then, you know, eventually in 20 years, everyone will probably pretend like they oppose the lockdowns about how terrible it was, all the extra deaths, depressions, ODs, the damage, how it made kids fall behind. You know, kids are the lowest they've been in, uh, in math, reading. It's just an absolute disaster. It's one of those things that I was 100% right by posing it from day one. I think Trump was a embarrassment going along with the two weeks to slow the slow the curve um but yeah i'm just you know it, it's glad that just vindicated most people are looking back being like man these lockdowns were a disaster it sounds to me like you indirectly went into a very well articulated criticism of the right and that's that trump was the fucking president with all <laughs> when all these lockdowns went down yep yeah, you know, he went he went along with it. And and the and the left, you know, Fauci and these guys pushed him into it, but he bought the lie. So the, so the fact that he bought the lie and the, the left, you know, the left was worse. They were saying more lockdowns, but it's still a criticism. Just cuz you're saying this side's worse than that one doesn't doesn't mean doesn't mean the Republicans are let off the hook. I mean, they're locking things down for months, and they probably would have stayed longer if it wasn't DeSantos. He was really the hero out of the situation that said and like me, I, I carefully, carefully went, I'm not saying I'm crazy, but I very careful, carefully went through the data. That's how I made these decisions. It wasn't like some random conspiracy theory shit. And I heard DeSantos say that's why he decided to open Florida. He was very carefully going through the data, seeing who was dying. And he recommended, hey, if you're, you know, 70 or if you're obese, stay in. But if you're a healthy adult, you're going to be fine. That's exactly the conclusion I came to. And we had, we had the data early on. They act like we don't, but we had it from, we had it from Italy. So I knew before it even got America got locked down, I would carefully sift it through the data. So I don't believe the experts are smarter than me. I believe the experts are lying con men that were getting paid by the pharmaceutical companies massive amounts of money. I mean, one perfect example of that is, is they uh, remember you'd get banned if you said you thought COVID escaped from a lab. And it, that wasn't an accident. The guys that got you to ban people were literally the guys that funded the lab. This is like provable. You can Google this. People don't believe it. People don't believe it. All the exact people that got it banned were the people that had the lab that COVID escaped from. So it's that these people aren't, they're not dumb. They're con men manipulating you. And if anyone still believes it, I mean, do, do a little research. You've been completely manipulated. Man, I, I know your buddies with Joe Rogan, um, and I'm a big fan also. Did you see any of the Mark Zuckerberg episode? I just saw one clip where Zuckerberg said that the FBI basically told him to take the Hunter Biden laptop off. That's that, clear election meddling. They, the FBI did what supposedly Trump and Russia did. These people belong in jail. I think the FBI members should be of long prison sentences, maybe some tech people, maybe Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg himself, maybe the execs of Twitter. But people belong in prison over this. I mean, they literally... There was a high percentage of people, I think around 10% of people, so they wouldn't have voted for Biden if they knew it was true. That would have swung the election. They completely swung an election, and, you know, they were trying to put uh, Trump in long prison sentences. They deserved whatever they're trying to give Trump, you know. They should do a committee like they did with, with Mueller that has that has uh, power to invest, unlimited investigative power. That's what they had. They can just take all these people's phones. They take all their emails. They should do go through it, and I think, you know, at least 20, 30 people deserve to be in prison over this. So... The Democrats have completely lost their shit, just being honest. They've bought yeah. into this woke propaganda. I mean, the, the woke shit, you tweeted about it the other day, and so I'll, uh, I made a note of it here. But uh, Pfizer is now offering a fellowship 
which is not available to either white people or Asians. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I yeah. mean, how, how is that contributing in a positive way to society? How? How does that help yeah, anything? It, yeah, it's not. They're just pushing racism. And it's going to, originally it was, just, it was okay to be racist against whites, but Asians do so well. Now they're starting to be racist against both. And it's not just there. It's multiple ways. It's, it's everywhere. You know, the call, getting into colleges with everything. And it's, uh, it's funny, kind of like they have the, the new gay pride flag. It includes everyone except white people and Asians. So Mexicans are included. Middle Easterns are included. Black people are included. So let's do a flag, but we're just going to exclude. Why not have a have an everyone flag? You know, that's just so racist and pathetic. And then you say this, you know, whole white privilege thing. But if you actually take a list of like all the different races in America, all the different Asians, all the different black people from countries like Africa, white people... We are doing terrible. We, it's pathetic how low we are doing and how much money we make. I think there's only, I think out of 50, we're like at uh, number three to the bottom. So the very worst are American blacks, then then Latinos, then whites. And literally, there's like 40-something races that are making more money than us. So white privilege is a joke, you know? Africans are smoking us. You take people from like any African country that are way outperforming Americans. Filipinos are way outperforming Americans. Chinese are outperforming Americans. Indians are outperforming Americans. Or not Americans, by whites. I'm sorry. Lots of these people, these people are Americans as well. So, But I mean, white Americans. There are all these other races are outperforming white Americans. So this white privilege thing they, is all all they ever mention is or black native american and and uh latino because it's the three ones doing worse you throw anything else in white people are they're doing better than white people financially and you know if you were to really look into it and have some middle eastern people be honest like you take a let's say a 60 year old guy from iraq and he's here working yeah. hard in the united states and you're like hey excuse me sir are you happy that arabic people are included in this gay pride flag Oh, no. <laughs> like, what in the fuck? What are you talking about? They, I mean, they're, they're, it's just very bizarre. The identity politics thing makes absolutely no sense. And if I were a Democrat, which I'm not, I would be like, hey, guys, you're losing all our credibility is going to shit. Let's let's back off of this stuff, I would think. Yeah, they're losing major credibility with Latinos, the Mexicans, the uh, all the Middle Eastern people I know. They're they're slowly switching over. I think a lot of the Middle Easterners is what happened after 9-11 with Bush. I mean, he did cause a little bit of racism towards Middle Easterners. Sure. It was really bad. He pushed such a negative anti-Islam thing. It kind of pushed him towards the left. But now almost all the 90%, I know I know a lot of Muslim people, 90% of them now are looking at the left being like, we have nothing to do with this woke shit. So they're getting pushed to the right, especially because it seems like that racism the white held towards Muslims isn't really there or almost gone now. So it's nice seeing, I think they're starting to realize, wait, Muslims are our allies, not our enemies. It's definitely a fascinating topic. My wife is from Cuba. In the Cuban population here in Louisville, Kentucky, there's quite a few Cubans for whatever reason here, and they yeah. lean predominantly lean to the right. I mean, it's like nope. uh, the not just Cubans, but Hispanics. You see the numbers. I mean, the shift from the left to the right among specifically Hispanics right now is, is very fascinating. It has to mean something. Yeah, they don't like all this tranny kid bullshit. They don't like the racial division either. They don't think there's this anti, you know, they don't feel like white people are racist against them. The only ones that feel that way are the rich ones in college that are that are themselves privileged, the ones making a lot more than regular white people. Like the regular ones don't believe that. It's kind of like the only black people I know that believe that are, are the ones that went to some high-end college or make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. They, their parents were rich and they talk about how oppressed they are. Usually they're about a quarter black, guys like Kaepernick, like, oh, I'm so oppressed. It's like, I don't know, maybe they're trying to make up. Maybe no one ever was racist towards them, so they want to like act like they... I don't know. It's weird. I've never understood this fake oppression stuff. 
Um, one of the reasons I have uh, found your political views to be so fascinating, and I'd say I am a big fan of a lot of the, really most of what I see from you is, you seem to be a big fan of, as am I, Michael Malice. Michael, oh yeah, he's hilarious. Michael Malice calls himself an anarchist, traditionally anarchists, um, you know, I just finished a book he wrote called The Anarchist Handbook, and it goes down this list of about 23 different essays from pretty much the most famous anarchists ever. And for the most part, the anarchists are, they lean to the left. They're almost like socialists or communists. But then there's a few, including Michael Malice, which he says he's an anarchist. He doesn't even say anarcho-capitalist, but he would be, if you had, if we're being honest, He's probably a little closer to the right. He's an anarchist, yeah. but a little closer to the right. Why are you such a big fan of Michael Malice's? Yeah, well, part of it is, you know, we're, just, we're friends and we for a while, so I think it's funny, the stuff he tweets. I don't know all of his political views, but as far as the anarchy stuff, I wouldn't say I'm a full anarchist, but it, uh, but but the idea of a left-wing anar- anarchist, I've always laughed at that. I've seen people with the anarchy and communist signs. Those are completely opposite ideologies. Communism is the government controls everything. They own everything. You own nothing. They tell you everything to do. Like, like this complete government troll and anarchy is the complete opposite. So some people, if people don't realize that, they're, they're morons. So anarchy, the whole idea is people do their own things. And before I used to think that idea was dumb, but the more I look at it, maybe it's not. Like, look how, look how like terrible every government agency is. Maybe it would make more sense to us come together and do a private, imagine a private police force would be so much better than these ones running out there. And like, uh, Pretty much, look at the DMV. No one's going to go to the DMV. It would make more sense to have a private one. The government agencies don't run anything properly. I think we have to have a little bit of government, but way too much we have right now. You, I believe you were born in, in California? I was born in Tennessee, but I moved to California at a young age. So it's, uh, okay. So I, you know, I was too young to remember Tennessee. So basically, it's claim California. Okay. Um, you moved away from California. When did you move away from California and why? Um, about a little less than two years ago. And it was just, uh, well, I was in San Francisco. It, it was a mess before that with just the homeless, the crime and COVID hit. They shut everything down for, couldn't even eat a restaurant for like a year. Couldn't go to a gym. So they tell you to get healthy and you, you can't go to a gym. They wanted masks. Maybe, I don't know, they had masks probably for like two years mandates. It's just absurd. And, you know, I refused just to do it. So I was get you know, I'd probably get yelled at five times a week because I would refuse to wear a mask in a store. But it's, uh, they, when I'd go in a store, they have, they have a law in San Francisco where you're allowed to loot up to $950 worth of stuff. So if, uh, so I'd be, they wouldn't ring me up. Sometimes they'd start being like, I'm not going to ring you up no mask. I'd be like, okay, I, you can either ring me up or I'm going to steal this. You can call the cops. The cops literally can't arrest me. I know the, I know, I know the laws in San Francisco. So they would always, uh, they'd always ring me up when I said that. <laughs> Did you ever witness someone take, I live here in Kentucky. I've never seen someone just be able to legally shoplift. Did you ever witness that? Oh, yeah, that? all the time. It's, yeah, all the time. That's why I refuse to put a mask on. The people that are walking by, walking in and out of stuff with me, I'm like, I'm trying to pay for it, but I'm not, you know, you have two choices. You let me pay for it without a mask or I'm just going to walk out with it. And I had one, one, one guy started being like, no. And then I, I literally started walking out with the car and then he goes, okay, okay, come back. I'm like, all right, bitch. Have <laughs> I you talked a little shit after that, but <laughs> I could, because he knows the cops won't come. So... <laughs> Um, have you been back to California recently? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. You know, they they you go out there, they tell you don't wear jewelry, don't wear Rolexes, don't. Uh, it's just a free for all. You know, they 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 appease the criminals. They don't care. Guy can like 
could put a gun in your head, rob you, and he'll be out of jail the next day. It's like, for whatever reason, California decided to, uh, to cater to the criminals, not the hardworking citizens that pay all the bills. And so people have been, of course, leaving California. The numbers of people who are leaving is just huge. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what's hilarious. Um, Gavin Newsom's always tacking DeSantos because he you know, wants to run for president. But everyone's fleeing California to Florida. It's like, hey, idiot, do you not realize everyone's leaving? You're constantly attacking Florida. That's like the state that's done the best job. You've done the worst job. I thought it was satire. It's difficult in 2022 to tell what is real versus satire, but I saw Yeah, it really is. Newsom had put up some billboards. I think it was real. I don't even fucking know. In Florida, trying to recruit people to move from Florida to California. So I guess maybe there's some people that are in Florida that are absolute left-wing nut jobs that maybe would consider it. I don't know how many, but it was very yeah, bizarre sure that he would think that that would even be appealing to anyone. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few. The, the part that never, I never got about these weird COVID nut jobs, you know, like no one ever told them they couldn't stay home. They could stay home for 12 years and wear a mask. They can stay home fucking until they die. I don't care. Keep your, keep your sorry ass home. But just because they want to stay home like a loser, they thought they had the right to tell people like me to stay home. And everyone, you know, a lot of us do our jobs by going out and doing things. And some of us have a lot of energy. We don't do well sitting around home all day just because they're like lazy and want to sit around and play video games and don't want to leave their house or they're scared. That's on them. No, one, no one's forcing them to go out. So these like weird COVID idiots never made sense. But yeah, I hope they all move to California so they can make that place a bigger shithole. Man, is um, Vegas that much better than California? Oh, yeah, way better, way safer, way cleaner. Uh, when I moved out here, I could eat at a restaurant again. You know, they didn't have the masks. It was, uh, yeah, I, I moved out. It'd been about a year into COVID almost, I think, and it was still couldn't, eat, couldn't go eat at a restaurant, couldn't go to a gym. It was, they were crazy in San Francisco. You have family and I assume friends and everyone's still in California. Are they mostly giving you negative reviews? Yeah, none of them, you know, they're all leftists, but they all talk about how shitty and run down it is. And it's like, maybe you just think about the, think about how you vote. They, they all bitched about how the lockdowns are too long and how the crime's so out of control and how, um, it's just funny listening to them just rag about how terrible everything is there. And then they go, when they went to recall Gavin, they re-voted for him. I'm like, you guys, you guys are the problem. You just can't admit it. It's just too ingrained in California. They've convinced you that Republicans are evil. It's like everyone just repeats it, lock and step. Republicans bad, Republicans bad, Democrats good. So you just, it's hard, it's hard to break it when it's so ingrained in you. And it's been ingrained from a little kid. You go to the schools, if you say anything different, everyone will freak out, out at you, call you like an evil person. You're not allowed to step out of, you know, Republicans uh, bad, Democrats good. Do you vote? Uh, yeah, I do sometimes, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm an independent. I'll vote forever. I think is, I think it's stupid to be on either party. Like at this point, I'm gonna vote for Republicans, even though I think most of them suck. But it's, it's, you know, they're better than the Democrats. But I'll, if the Democrats start looking better, I'll switch over. Someone like Tulsi Gabbard, maybe I would, I would jump. It's just this current Democrats is in so much terrible. I want nothing to do with them. You mentioned earlier you are anti-war for the most part. Um, yeah, there's exceptions, of course. Okay, what's an exception? Uh, I mean, guys, if someone bombs us, they're doing something really crazy. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of mass genocide. I think the Ukrainian war, I think we could have uh, just agreed not to put NATO in Ukraine. I don't know why NATO needed to be in Ukraine. 
And instead, they could have easily brokered a deal, but instead we want war. So much money goes to those weapons companies. Every week, I mean, we sent them $60 billion, I think, in the beginning, and every week we send them three or four more billion. It's, it's, it's just a joke. It's all this is doing is keeping the war going longer. It's going to cause thousands of deaths. So we're directly killing people. But these people, you know, in charge don't care. Zelensky and Biden don't care. They love it. They're getting rich. All these billions that are going back and forth, you know, they're, they're embezzling parts of it. So they just want to keep this war going as long as they can. You look at Europe, gas prices are out of control. They're telling people they have no gas because, you know, Russia cut the gas. I mean, even in the U.S., we're paying way more gas prices because of the war. It's a war that could have been easily avoided. And 100% of the Democrats, Democrats voted to prove the war, including pathetic Bernie Sanders, who I used to have a little respect for. He went on, you know, what are they, how long has he been in office? They say he said the same thing for whatever it is, 40 years. Well, yeah, not, not, not the last two years. He switched. He was adamantly um, pro-borders because you can't have free shit. You don't have pro-borders. He was adamantly anti-war. He switched on both of those when it became popular to switch on them. So the guy's an old sellout clown. Yeah, there, there's something about uh, a traditional leftist that mm-hmm. I guess they don't exist much anymore, but even like... Um, you know, Noam Chomsky, for example, is like anarchist and to the left. But now he's like publicly campaigning for supporting Joe Biden. Uh, it's very bizarre. Bernie Sanders, as you mentioned, he's considered to be outside of the the establishment Democratic Party to a degree. Uh, to a degree. I, I, I'm sure there's some people who are far leftists who would listen and laugh at that. But I, I mean, to a degree, he's considered to be kind of radical. And that means to be a leftist like he is at least his rhetoric for so many years has been anti-war. You see him being like handcuffed at a protest, yeah. uh, uh, anti-war protest. And then what does he vote for? Yeah. And he, you know, his whole career, he always voted against every war. This was the first time he voted for it. I think he just decided to jump on the, uh, jump on the bandwagon. And he also switched his, he was very, very strongly pro borders his whole time. He always said, he always said open borders was a right wing Koch brothers scam, which, which, which it was because that's how you get cheap labor. You bring in people for cheap. It helps the, it helps the big business. So the fact to him to switch on that because, because of Trump, you know, because Trump was so strong borders, he had to go the opposite of Trump, but he knows strong borders is the only way to provide free. You can't be like, I'm gonna give you everything. I mean, I don't agree with giving everything for free, but Bernie Sanders at least is smart enough to know if you're to give everything for free, you can't let everyone come into your country. And to the fact that he just stopped talking about that, you know, and, and went along with these weak borders, it just shows, um, I don't know, to, 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 to act, you know, to have principles for whatever, however, seven something years and then give lose them the last couple of years of your, of your life. It's just a uh, sad and pathetic. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on the student loan forgiveness? Oh, man, yeah, I don't have strong, strong opinions. The problem is a lot of the people getting it are the people making the most money. So it's kind of weird, you know, to have the middle class paying off the wealthy. But this whole student loan things are kind of a scam to begin with. You know, it's the only debt that you can't uh, declare bankruptcy on. I think maybe make it so you can do bankruptcy so the people that aren't doing well can get out of it. But but the people that are good jobs should pay it off, something along those lines. Um also, the college endowments are so ridiculous. They just keep raising tuition because they know they have these student loans that are guaranteed to be repaid. So I think uh, I think we're kind of attacking the wrong thing. I do feel bad for these people that have, they have this massive student debt, especially don't have good jobs. So I don't have an exact solution to it. I would have to really spend a lot of time studying it and looking over. And you know, there's so much stuff going on in the world. It's hard to uh, 
have a strong answer to everything. So I see both sides on that one. Okay. It's definitely uh, uh, an interesting topic that, you know, you can break it down into different levels because we forgave a bunch of student loan debt or we are now. What about like, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. What when they go, are they supposed to then sign up for the same loans that were just forgiven? And we don't know if they'll ever be forgiven. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. And I'm paying my daughter. I'm paying my daughter's college right now. Should I have her take out loans instead and take the risk? That's actually a good question. Maybe I should be like, Hey, take out some, some loans. Cause it's going to get forgiven. Why am, why am I paying the money? I paid my own college. You know, I, I had to work and try to pay, to pay my way through college. It's just, uh, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I think something needs to be done about these loans, but I don't think the forgiveness is really the right answer. I think it's maybe more attacking it at the, the scamming lenders and colleges. What type of work did you do to get yourself through college? I'm curious. Uh, it was construction, moving service, uh, stuff that wasn't fun, <laughs> but you had to pay the bills. I didn't have anyone uh, you know, paying me and didn't want to take out student loans. I talk to a lot of amateur MMA fighters and pro fighters who are early in their career. Some of them, you know, go on to, we got a guy right now who's fighting in the UFC, Nathan Manis. So I think he's three and one in the UFC. So, I mean, sometimes from Kentucky or this part of the country, people, you know, they make it. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who's coming up, maybe going to get their shot in the UFC, maybe they're even going to be on the roster for quite some time, or maybe not even UFC, but another big promotion. What type of advice would you give to a young up-and-coming fighter? It's tough because there, there is no secrets in the sport. It's just hard work. First off, I would say think, really think hard. Do you even want to do this sport? Because if it's not like an instant, yes, I definitely want to do it, then don't do it. If, it's, if you're doubting doing it, you, you don't belong in the sport. It has to be 100% why you're just addictive. It's all you think about, and you, ha- you have to do it. Because if it's otherwise, you're not going to make it. You have to put 100% effort into it. Once you decide you're doing it, it has to just be go, go, go. You can't be half-assing it. It's got to be you know every day. You can't take breaks. You got to seek out the best best coaches you can, best training partners you can. You might have to move. It's just got to become a complete obsession. Otherwise, you're not going to make it to the top. What about positioning yourself? Because even today, the top fighters sometimes don't even make necessarily all that much money. To I mean, if we're being honest, compared to other, you know, of the most famous athletes in the world, sometimes they're really yeah. fucking rich. Not always the case with, with MMA fighters. Do you have any advice about like positioning how you're going to make money after your fighting career is over, that type of thing? Yeah, learn to network, man. You better like, you know, learn to meet the people with the sponsors, hang out with them, get the ask advice. When you know you're going to be the one good thing about being a fighter, you're going to meet a lot of successful rich people that are into fighting. Wow. Ask them questions, learn how they're making money. You know, a lot of these guys will give you advice, give you jobs sometimes, give you uh help you help you start business deals. You know, the sponsors will pay you more if you're out there with them. It's uh really learn to network. That's the most important thing. And listen, when you're talking to these guys, you know, someone's worth a couple hundred million dollars and, and self-made, you know, different if they inherited from their dad and he's self-made, listen to what he has to say. They, odds are he can give you some damn good advice. Gotcha. Well, great stuff. I know you're very busy this week. You know, you're in Vegas. Um, you, you're going to be in there with, with your, your boy, Nate Diaz, big fight for Nate. Um, do you ha- before we wrap things up, I, this may be a difficult spot. You're cornering him. Do you have a prediction for the fight? Man, it's it's impossible to give predictions. These things, it's going to be out there. It's going to be a tough fight, but I think Nate's going to win in the late rounds. But you know, anything can happen to these fights. I've been in the game for a while. You never fucking know. Um, do you get more nervous when cornering Nate or you know one of your teammates? Arguably, more nervous in some ways than even when you fight. 
yeah, I actually do. It's weird because when you fight, you, you have you build yourself in this thing of like you get yourself you spend a couple weeks before getting yourself in a headspace where you're just mean and nasty and you don't even, by, by your fight time you're just like fuck this guy, I want to go out and get it over. But when you corner, you haven't really done that. So you're like mm. your nerves are up, you have no control. It's uh I hate cornering. <laughs> but it's also important to be there for your friends. Interesting. Okay. Great stuff. Well, Jake Shields, I really appreciate your time. I look forward to hopefully speaking with you again sometime soon. Good luck the rest of this weekend on Saturday. Thank you very much, Jake. Cool, man. Hey, great talking. You too. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we'll have another episode out soon. 